Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They are creating businesses that really add value to others, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with Chris Cooper. If you're looking for ways to develop your entrepreneurial spirit while you contribute to a better world, you'll want to stay tuned for the next hour. Now, here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com, and great to be back again with you uh, this week. Um, firstly, just want to say thank you to those people who dropped me comments about the newsletter and about the, the, the shows and things this week. Um, really, uh, really appreciate it. If you want to find out more about my perspectives on the shows over the last uh, few weeks and also the shows moving forward, uh, then um, please do um, subscribe to my newsletter at BeMoreAchieveMore.com. Um, so I just want to so ask you, you know, do you ever present or, or speak to an audience? Um, maybe you avoid the opportunity altogether and let someone else do it, perhaps. Or if you do speak, you know, perhaps you wish that you could deliver a speech with greater skill and confidence. Now, don't worry, you're not alone. Uh, most people, including myself, experience anxiety before public speech. I mean, I've, I've woken up before, in the, the night before, in a cold sweat. I've uh, experienced uh, multiple trips to the bathroom. I've, I've felt my knees tremble and hoped on occasions that no one wanted to shake my hand before I spoke as my, my palms were clammy. Now, speaking can also take many forms, including sort of training sessions, radio, uh, TV work, speaking at a public event, communicating to staff. Um, some of you listening will have experienced being a best man or speaking at your own wedding. And at whatever level of experience you are and the circumstances, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you and our guests uh, will endorse the fact that when it comes down to speaking, there's always more to learn. Now, this week I had the pleasure of talking with a, a fabulous Sky TV news presenter. Sky is a big TV channel in the UK and, and a BBC radio host, um, Adrienne Lawler. Uh, Adrienne's an extremely experienced in media and she gave me some really helpful feedback on the show, um, which is very positive. Some of it was a bit blunt. So I'll share with you the interesting blunt stuff. Um, things like get some new fo- pictures taken immediately. It looks so much better than your photos. And I'm pleased um, that, I've got a, that now I've got a photographer booked in to do that. And also, she said, your introductions, Chris, are at times a bit laboured and clumpy. Imagine you're looking at your audience directly in their eyes and talking to them. So I'm, I'm taking that advice on board, and I'm imagining that I'm looking at you right now. So expect new photos and uh, more flowing introductions. You, 
You see, there's always more to learn. Now, you might hear a little bit of background noise on this call because one of our guests today is um, having, he's extremely busy and he's having to call in with a mobile phone. But um, we've got two um, really uh, great guests who are very much at the pinnacle of the speaking world in both the United Kingdom and South Africa. Um, Alan Stevens was listed by the independent newspaper as one of the UK's top 10 media experts, and he's uh, the most qualified professional speaker in Europe. Um, he's experienced over 2,000 TV and radio interviews, both as a TV presenter, a radio host, and an expert interviewee. He's also been the president of the Global Speakers Federation. He's director of Media, media Coach, and is a very successful author. He also has a great newsletter and podcast show. I can, um, I can assure you of that because I'm a regular subscriber. So we're now going to move to Johannesburg, so a, a tr another international show with our producers in Phoenix, uh, being in Phoenix, um, to Paul de Troyes. Now, Paul became South Africa's first certified speaking professional, the first one in 24 years. He's been the president of the Professional Speaking Association in South Africa twice. He's also written a book about presenting confidently and for some of you may recognize his name because I interviewed him recently on a show on customer service and we had some really great feedback on that. So I would recommend checking out the archive on that one. I'm sure he'll also explain later a very interesting story about how he and Alan came to writing a book um, called The Exceptional Speaker Together. Uh, so today we're in extremely safe hands. So let's go over to Alan Stevens and Paul Dutrois. How are you? Hello there. Hi there. Hi, great. So we're, we're all on the line, which is fantastic. And let's start the, uh, the, con the conversation. Uh, I'm going to ask this question to you, Paul, to start off with. And that is that it, it seems that almost everyone is now required at some stage to speak publicly. But, of course, many people are not actually that, always that good at it. And many find it daunting. And I kind of wondered why that was the case. Why can't we all speak naturally well? Well, I, I believe that many of us do speak naturally very well indeed, but when you get in front of an audience, uh, Chris, it's a completely different thing. Uh, if you think back hundreds of years ago, the only people that really did speeches were maybe the chief, uh, perhaps the teacher, or maybe the religious head. So it might have been one in 100 or one in 150 people. But in business today, I don't think there are many people that get away with not having to do a speech in some kind of environment. Now, when you get behind the wheel of a car for the first time and you try out driving, uh, you discover that it's something that you obviously didn't know how to do, so you know that you have to learn, but everybody thinks that they can speak. So very often our first attempt goes wrong, and because our first attempt goes wrong mentally, we need to justify it. And we justify it by saying, well, this is not something I'm very good at. We take a step back and we label ourselves as not a good speaker. Now, that's the pitfall that a lot of people fall into. All we need to understand is that speaking in front of an audience requires uh, a bit of tuition, a bit of learning, uh, simply some awareness about the things that you need to do and the preparation that needs to be done. And if you can get over those first few hurdles and get a bit of practice, it is quite amazing how easy it is to speak in front of an audience and get really good at it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know about you and Paul and Alan, but one of the big things I noticed when in terms of speaking in front of an audience for the, the first time was that 
in the training that I had had, it's been it's been about presenting to as opposed to speaking and engaging with, which uh, is a you know is a, is a kind of learning in itself, really, isn't it? That's it. Alan, do you want to have any comments on that? Yeah, yeah, I do. And again, just first, let me apologise for the background noise. I've just uh, I've just delivered a speech. I've just come off stage, uh, and I'm here in London's Barbican Centre, kind of backstage. So I do apologise for that. But but talking generally about what what makes a great speech, and, and Paul's absolutely right that. If, if you're thinking about speaking well, it is different, as you said there, Chris, to, to doing a, a presentation to a small group of people because you're talking about a dialogue. Uh, a speech is never a monologue. It's about a conversation with an audience. And they are as much part of the conversation as you are, although their part may be nods and smiles and, and those sorts of things, body language, or they may be asking questions. And I think that the thing about being an exceptional speaker and, and raising your game when you're on stage it's about being able to be very, very confident in yourself, to have the clarity to express your ideas and have those ideas be, be understood and accepted by your audience. And that's something you can learn. Right. Okay. And, and, and Alan, I, I, what are... And you've obviously just come straight hot off the stage. <laughs> so uh, couldn't be fresher than, the, fresher than that. Yeah. And I just wonder, you know, what, what from your perspective are the, the basic rules to really speaking well? Well, I think most, most importantly is to have an objective and that you need to... It's all about preparation and knowing what your objective is. It may be to, to inform, to entertain, to move to action or a combination of all of those things. But unless you've got that objective in your mind when you're standing up on stage to deliver, you won't deliver a good performance. And it is, it is a performance as well. It's not just delivering words. It's about using body language, about using your emotions, about using, invoking senses to get a message across. I think, in essence, it's about clarity, it's about connection, and it's about delivering value to an audience. And you can't do any of those things without having an objective in place first. Crikey, so I think lot you, of things you in touch there. on a very important, important thing there, Alan, because really what you're talking about, and this is Paul speaking now, what you're really talking about here is speaking to your audience rather than at them. And it's really a question of instead of getting through your content, being comfortable enough to be able to relate to people, make the eye contact, and really be conversational. In other words, to transport the way that you'd naturally talk with friends around a table at a restaurant and then get that conversation going to your audience and get some kind of interaction going. And that's what the really good speakers do. They, they're natural, and it's almost... Um, like having a conversation with friends. I think that's right, Paul. And, and I think what happens is that if you hear somebody who's, who's been to a, a speech that they've really enjoyed, they will say they spent some time with the speaker. Not yeah. that they listened to somebody speak. They spent time with them because they're, they're part of the, the experience. The audience is part of the experience. Yeah, very much so. So, so and what I'm hearing in, in all of that is it's about connecting with an audience and and developing a relationship with them uh, as opposed to presenting to them. It's about entertaining. It's about imagining things going, going well um, and, and kind of speaking with clarity and, I guess, leaving them with some value. I mean, is that... Are they the basic rules to speaking well? Sorry, Paul, I'm just coming around, but I, I would say so, and, and I always apply what I call the weak ahead test. But whatever you've delivered to an audience, they should be able to relate the essential message of that a week ahead, a week hence, to somebody who wasn't part of that experience. So what they yeah, tell their friends, what they tell their family, a week later should be the message that you intended them to receive. 
Yeah, and I think one of the things, Alan, that you, you, you also find is that um, when you get to about five minutes into your speech or your presentation, you want people to very clearly know what it is that you're talking about. And I've heard on many occasions um, a person turning to another person and saying, what is this person on about? Uh, that mm. will be an occasion where the, the, the topic hasn't been introduced properly, uh, the connection hasn't really happened, and they then start losing their audience. And this, of course, is what you don't want to happen. So if, if I hear what you were asking there, Chris, you were, the question really was, what's, what's the purpose um, of a speech? Um, and you can really, as, as Alan touched on, you can break it down into four broad things. Um, you, you're there to either uh, persuade, which would be typically a sales presentation. Uh, you might be there to entertain, which might be a humorous, motivational type of thing, or um, let's say when you're doing a stand-up comic act. Um, you can also be there purely to, to motivate, and motivate is not necessarily the, um, the classic kind of motivation. Um, even when you are um, in a, let's say you're a pastor in a church, you're there to motivate motivate people to um, think differently and maybe take action in their lives. And then, of course, the fourth one would be to inform. So it's really um, persuade, entertain, motivate, or inform. And inform might simply be a lecture. Now, you know, as, as we chat about these, these various topics, I think one of the biggest things that comes out of it is that different speeches or presentations are in different contexts. So you can't really apply the same rule to every kind of speech. So, so um, you say persuade, entertain, motivate, and inform. So, but yeah. some some speeches you might have to do a combination of those. Perhaps is that correct, Alan? Spot on. It, it is correct, and I, I think it's you know about informing and enlightening is 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 part part of what we do. But we also have to entertain, and I don't mean that that you have to be doing stand up comedy. I mean, both you know, Paul and I do do stand up comedy, and Paul does some great music from time to time. But it's, it's about being able to engage an audience using various techniques. And if you're simply delivering words and if you're doing that dreadful bullet point thing with, with PowerPoint, you're not really engaging an audience at all. What, what you're doing is just throwing information at them and they could just as easily have picked that up from a book. It's, yeah. uh, being on stage is, is a different experience for an audience than just having information delivered to them. It's, it's got to be an experience they're part of. Don't you find, Alan, that uh, very often a, um, an audience will... Um, come because of a topic, so they'll be drawn by the topic. Yes. But when they actually get there, they want to have a good time, be entertained, Absolutely. and be engaged right the way through. But that's quite true. And if you if you engage, or rather, when you engage an audience's emotions, whether you make them laugh, cry, feel good or bad, that actually helps them to remember the message that you're trying to deliver, because that that yeah. becomes a much more memorable experience for them in the round. Yeah, and very often gives you a more persuasive quality and gets them to mm. do what it is that you would have liked them to do. Very good. And, and I've got about a minute to, to commercial break, so I'm going to sort of finish here and we'll, we'll start talking about how you structure a speech after the, after the break. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm thinking while I'm listening to you is um, some people might listen to this and think, well, actually, I, I speak in a, in a company. I don't speak at, at big events, so it's different. However, what you've talked about in terms of entertaining and engaging is, um, is, is a skill that uh, can be hugely valuable in organizations as well. I remember seeing a number of speakers um, at a huge organizational event doing bullet point or speak, people doing bullet points presentations. The chap who came out and really engaged the audience absolutely brought the, uh, the house down, and, it was, uh, and the people talked about it for a long time after. 
So uh, learning some of these skills in, in whatever um, a circumstance can be very powerful. So we're, we're going to go to commercial break now, and we'll be back again with you in another couple of minutes to find out how you structure a team. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Rivez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper again of BeMoreAchievemore.com and CC1Consulting.com. And if you want to um, share any thoughts or send any questions through to me, um, please feel free to email me at Chris at BeMoreAchievemore.com. And who knows, you might even get the chance to answer them um, before the end of the show if you're listening live. Um, so we were talking about, uh, about speaking, um, about presenting, and uh, some of the basic rules and the purpose and I just think a really helpful thing to do now, and if I can, it's okay, I'll start with you, Paul, is to ask, how does one go about structuring a speech? Where do they start? Um, I assume surely at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, well, you can start at the beginning, but not necessarily. And again, it depends very much on the context. If we're looking at a speech, in other words, you're getting up in front of an audience and you may be doing a keynote for 40 minutes or something like that, then a good idea is to ask yourself the question, and it goes back to what Alan said about having an objective or having a clear objective. Ask yourself, what is it that you want the audience to do after you have finished speaking? So if you can start off with your conclusion, uh, the last two or three minutes of what you're going to say, then you pretty much know how you're going to be introducing your speech. And once you know how to introduce your speech then it's a lot easier to put the whole thing together because generally you'll know what you want to talk about. So 
So my message, quite simply, is if it's a speech, start uh, with the end in mind. Uh, but then again, one goes back to context. It's not just about a speech. It might be you're doing a presentation, or you might be preparing a sermon, or you might be preparing a, uh, let's say, a speech at a wedding, which is different. So you need to do it according to the context in which you're, you're going ahead, and sometimes it might be appropriate to start it at the beginning. But generally, that start at the end rule works pretty well for me. Great. So start, start with the end in mind. And I assume that kind of also means so easily, often you've seen um, presentations and speeches, people kind of want to tell you what they want to tell you as opposed to maybe what you might want to hear and might be useful for you. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, if I, yeah, sorry, if I can come in. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, there's that thing that people often call the business sandwich, and I'm going to tell them what I'm going to tell them, I'm going to tell them, I'm going to tell them what I told them. And that, that structure can work, but I, I think Paul is absolutely right. I, I would agree with him. He's, one of my, he's a collaborator, so we, we often think the same way. Not always, as we'll come to later on. But it's, it's about, as he says, starting with, with the end in mind. You, you need to know why you're there, and you need to know why the audience is there, and those two needs must overlap. And I think the mistake that a lot of presenters make is that they talk about things the audience isn't interested in. And as a result of that, there's no connection. Or they try and talk about things that they believe the audience is interested in, but they don't fully understand in order to ingratiate themselves. And that doesn't work either. You should only ever work in that overlap between your area of expertise and the interest of the audience. And that can be quite a small area. If you imagine two circles, one is everything you know, the other is everything the audience is interested in. Those circles should overlap, and you should only talk about the sections which overlap. And that's a, it's a, it's a really... Would you say that that's got something to do with um, doing a bit of research about the audience up front? Yes. In other words, knowing something about who they are? It's ab absolutely the case. And, and when I, whenever I'm working with, with somebody who wants to deliver it, and it's, whether it's a small business presentation to half a dozen people or a speech to a large audience of thousands, the same rules apply. You need one piece of paper with your objective on and another piece of paper which says, what is it the audience will be interested in and what do I know? And that should drive everything that you put into your speech. Great stuff. So, so you, you start with the end in, in mind and you think about the, the audience and what they might want to hear, but still, I'm, I'm still not fully clear in terms of how I actually structure my speech. Okay, well, the, the way that I often work with people is I say you, you've got to have an objective, you've got to have a strong opening, you've got to have a strong close. And once we've got the objective in place, I will often work with somebody to say, let's deliver a powerful opening line. It could be a question, it could be a promise, it could be a controversial statement something which will grab the attention of the audience because the, the audience only gives you about 15 to 20 seconds of their attention to begin with. And if you don't do something valuable in that short golden time, you're going to lose them. So once you've got the, you've nailed the opening, you've then got to think, what's the closing line? Interestingly, the, the rest of it kind of fills itself in. If you've grabbed an audience at the beginning and you leave them with something really powerful, filling in the bit in the middle is not as hard as you might think. Yeah, and, and, just, and I, I would think, Chris, that um, again, we go back to context. It's, it's fairly easy if you're doing a sales presentation to have a, quite a tight structure. For instance, if you're trying to persuade them um, to do something in particular, you might come up with some options to show your objectivity. And one of the interesting things that might happen in a sales type of presentation is that um, you might be speaking about moving um, some people from an unideal situation to an ideal situation. So you might present some options, 
you might then come up with what you suggest as being the best thing to do, and then you might support that, benefit, that, that solution with a number of benefits, and that really takes up um, quite a big chunk of the body of your, of your talk. Now, in that instance, um, the sandwich that Alan speaks about works very well because you've got your introduction, your body, and your clothes. But um, in, a, in a speech, it's a little bit more fluid, and it depends very much on what your ultimate objective is. Have we lost Alan there? I'm, I'm not sure, but... We, we, shall, we shall continue, shall we? I think we've we lost Alan. Um, his phone's running out of battery or something. Um, I just, so do you think um, we should... We should learn our speeches word for word. Well, if you're a professional speaker, um, you, you, you can do that, uh, but that is really something that actors do on the stage. In other words, you, you, you've really got to learn your, um, your entire script because the other, the other actors are going to come in on a particular cue. It, it's, it's hardly necessary to do that if you're speaking. So one of the things that we recommend is that you perhaps have key points um, that you structure in a particular order and simply try and remember what those particular key points are because the moment you're doing your speech off rote, um, the audience can pick it up and there's a, there's a lack of naturalness unless you're a very, very well-trained actor. And we're not talking about actors doing speeches now. We're talking about every one of us uh, being able to do speeches. So uh, we don't recommend that you you do a speech off road. It, it's much better to, to be natural than to use those key points. Right. And, and any thoughts from you, Alan? Yeah, I, I think that, that's absolutely right. I mean, if, if, if you try and learn a speech verbatim, if you, if you try and you know, deliver a performance like an actor, it's not going to come across naturally unless you are a gifted actor. And then you're doing a performance you're not communicating with. You're not delivering a message in the same sort of way. I, I think sometimes it's worth writing out the speech word for word from the beginning to the end. Just, just to get it into your head, but I would never advise anyone to try and learn a speech verbatim. I'm just in interested, and uh, Paul, maybe you've got a view on this. And one way um, that I started to learn to speak um, when I moved away from a more sort of straightforward presentations that I've been used to in the corporate world was to actually write um, a number of stories and create a number of stories that you can then maybe weld into a speech. And I was chatting with a Speaking the other day, I've got maybe about a hundred different stories that he uses. Um, is, is that an approach that people can start to work with? Chris, you, you're moving into our, one of our very, very favorite areas because Alan and I both tell stories on stage. Perhaps, Alan, you'd like to comment on that. I, I, I would love to. And it, it, yes, I mean, it's, it's exactly what we do. And I think what uh, Chris is talking about there is a story file, um, which mm. all professional speakers, all, all speakers have. And that is a a fund of stories, it could be electronic, it could be in a notebook, it, it could be in your head, but it's, it's an immensely valuable way of delivering a message and, and we all know the classic story structure, the triplet, which is to tell a story, to make a point and then give the audience a practical example they can use. And if, if, if you use that structure, you tell a great story by invoking people's emotions and then you emphasize the point at the end and then finally you give them an example they can use in their own business or their own lives it works incredibly well. I know, Paul, I know you do the same. Yeah, well, you know, um, you're the media coach, so you've been in the media for now for uh, a huge amount yeah, of time. Let's not count the you years. Know, <laughs> you know that the uh, uh, people love reading stories and they get the stories from the newspaper, but this starts as a child. Um, our mm. children love hearing us 
reading them stories, and they like hearing the same story over and over again. And it, it's stories that really grab people. It grabs the imagination. It, it, it hooks the listener in. And if you've got a great story uh, that you can tell to bring that audience into you, um, it, it often proves to be one of the pivotal points of a speech. It's where you really grab that audience and hold them. Uh, so, so stories, we believe, are, are, are vitally important. And you can even use a story to introduce your speech um, in, in introductory phase and use that story to set up the... I, I, I guess that's where um, I, I found quite helpful if people are thinking about, well, uh, you know, struggling to remember sort of stories, actually just sometimes keeping a bit of a notebook with you because it can be an everyday conversation, can't it, when suddenly you start talking about a great thing that happened to you or, you know, an interesting situation or whatever, and it's like you might forget it, so just jotting it down in a notebook and keeping those and collating those, um, I guess, was a way of sort of starting to produce a seed for that story file. Chris, that's, that's a very good point. And if you, 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 actually, you can tell a professional speaker or a journalist because they always carry a notebook um, everywhere. And in fact, there, there are some, some people that, that I work with, a friend of ours, Paul and I will know very well, and a guy called Kenny Harris, who's a great creativity expert. And he, advoc he advocates having a notebook lying about in your house. So if you're halfway up the stairs and you think of something, you've got a notebook to jot it down. Uh, because it, it's really important that you capture stories that you can use again uh, on stage or, or in a meeting or wherever. Because stories are the way that lots of us communicate. I mean, they're parables. You know, thousands of years ago, that's how people communicated. It was an oral tradition. Um, that's and of course, the best stories embedded. are your own stories. Of course. Of course. <laughs> and of course, the general rule of, of, of speaking is try and use as many of your own personal experiences as possible. And um, a lot of people believe, well, um, you know, nothing ever happens to me. And I think both of us have had that instance where um, an audience member has come up and said, well, it's all very well. You've, you know, you've got all these fabulous stories about what's happened to you. But it's remarkable. If you go into anybody's life, um, everybody's hmm. life is worth writing a novel about. So we all have things that happen to us. We just have to be able to pull those out and say, you know, that's actually something that's quite interesting that... I could use in a speech. So let me make a note of it so that I remember when I need it. And that's really the trick that Alan's talking about, carrying that notebook, or for some of us really high-tech modern people, carrying your iPad around it, just making a note, mm -hmm. having a special place where you can keep that information. Mm -hmm. We're going to go to commercial break again in about uh, 30 seconds. Um, I just want to make a, a final point on that, is um, using, using your own stories is far more powerful. But if you do ever come across a great story and it's maybe one that someone else has shared to you, always give them the credit. I think that's one of, mm. the, one of the etiquette rules within, um, within speaking is uh, always, always credit them for having shared that with you. So we're going to go to Very commercial break. So. We'll, yep, we'll, go, we'll, we'll yeah. come back and we'll find out a bit more about how we can get even better at speaking in public. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. How do you feel about the future? Tune in each week for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. You can be a great leader by learning from the inspiring stories of amazing visionaries who are shaping our future. Everyone deserves to create their own vision and Kate and her guests will share the tools that you need to make it happen. Make a weekly visit to the Voice America Business Channel for Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life, every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Be inspired. Become inspiring. 
Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is uh, Chris Cooper of bemoreachievemore.com and cc1consulting.com. And I'm with uh, my guest today, Alan Stevens and Paul Detroit, talking about presenting confidently. Now, um, we talked about um, the structure of a speech uh, and uh, some, some sort of tools and some tips and techniques. Um, I just wonder if you've got any, any tips, um, Alan, maybe on how you keep on getting better at speaking in public, because it's, uh, it's an ongoing yeah. journey, isn't it? It's not just a one-off two-day course or something. It is, and I think you put your finger on it right there, Chris, um, because the two words are stage time. Stage time is how you get better at being a speaker, and that's one of the main ways, and that's being in front of an audience, it's learning to craft your speeches. So certainly if you're, if you're starting out as a speaker, get as much time as you can on stage. Um, accept every opportunity to speak, uh, whether that's at somebody's anniversary or whether someone asks to talk to their networking group, or it's a large audience, because it's only by being on stage and communicating with an audience that you learn what works and what doesn't. So yeah. even though you can do a lot in theory and you can do a lot in practice and you can rehearse, it's stage time that's the essential thing. Yeah, and if I can just add to that, Alan, you know, it's, it's, it's quite important doing it, being aware that you're interested in becoming a better speaker all the time because if you, mm. um, if, if you learn as you go along and you learn from your mistakes as you go along, you're going to improve a lot quicker. If you do a little bit of training or you maybe um, read up a little bit on it, you're also going to improve a lot. But if you do it repeatedly but you're mm. not trying to improve, you're not going to. That's right. Yeah, you, you need to get feedback. And you need, all of us who are professionals, we all have our own coaches, we all have our own mentors, even though we've been doing it for 20 or 30 years. And we have people in our audience. I mean, Paul and I will do it for each other if, if we're at the same event. We will sit in the audience and we will make notes about how yeah. each other is performing. And then we will give people direct, you know, kind feedback, but direct feedback at the end of the speech. Yeah, well, one of the interesting things that does happen between speakers more and more is that if there are a group of speakers that know one another at an event, we'll often get together and share a cup of coffee or something afterwards and have a little quick impromptu, what we call a mastermind, where we give each other some Mm. feedback, good and bad, about how we did. And those sessions I find immensely valuable. Yes. And and can I just ask, how how do you, you know, it it sounds... uh, probably to some people, if we were talking about speaking on stage here, quite a high-risk strategy in terms of practicing um, on stage in front of people. I mean, how do you, how do you cope when, you know, you have those, um, those 
presentation, or those speeches that you do, and maybe they don't go down that well with the audience, and maybe there's more harsh criticism than positive. How do you, you cope and bounce back from that? Well, they say it's learning to cope with rejection, but as long as it doesn't happen too often, you're okay. But what I would suggest that people do, and this is something that happens in stand-up comedy, and, and both Paul and I do, do that from time to time, is you introduce a new element into your speech. You don't completely rewrite the whole speech and do the whole thing from scratch, but you will introduce a new element, which might be a new routine, it might be a new story, it might be a new joke, and you see how that works. And if it, if it doesn't go down well, you've got some, something else you can, you can go back to, some tried and trusted material you, you can fall back on. So it's about introducing new elements a bit at a time, trying them out, refining them, getting some feedback, seeing how they work, and then once, once they're working really well, you can incorporate them into your repertoire. Mm, yeah. And I think it is also valuable to say, Chris, that um, when you get up on, on, on a stage, for instance, and you're, you're doing a speech, you are really kind of opening yourself up. And I think people feel quite vulnerable, and they're, and they're sensitive to people's comments because... Um, we all want to do well, and we all want people to think well of us. And every fear that speakers might have relate into that one fear. We, we want to belong. We want to be thought well of. We want people to think that we did a good job. So it is important to try and set yourself up for success because we do build on those successes to boost our confidence. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'd, I'd very much take... Uh, and the experience I've had with speaking, the comments that you've, you've mentioned there has been very important, actually. What I find, I've found fascinating is when you actually just go and test things, you might have some, some stories that you personally think are hilariously funny and, yeah. and some other stories that you think are maybe sort of secondary, but actually the ones you, sometimes the ones you think are really funny, you don't get much feedback on. <laughs> and then the one, ones that you didn't think were yeah. that funny at all, a slight comment has the audience in absolute stitches and... It's only by testing them, isn't it, that you find out that information? That's a very good point that you make there, Chris. The audience is right. Whatever they tell you, whether your story is good or bad, they're right. It's not, it's not your opinion. It's their opinion that matters. And, and in fact, the, you know, the best way to kill a story, kill a funny story, is to preface it by saying, it's a really funny story. Yeah. Because <laughs> your, your audience will think, we'll be the judges of that. Yeah, but you know, Alan, there's, there's a lot to this particular topic because you can have mm. a story that didn't go down well because you didn't tell it well. Yeah. And telling a story well is all about timing and the patter. And comedians will tell you that you can have two people telling the same story and one will have people falling about in the aisles and the other one will have everybody poker-faced. So your yeah. delivery and your method, it's a very good thing to, to experiment with different ways of telling that story and we, we all know that we've had stories that we've embellished as we've gone along to make them better and better, and eventually a story that started off as being uh, not too bad ends up being fantastic because we, we yes. built on it as we, as we go along. Mm. Absolutely. Great. So, Paul, Paul you've written a book together, and I, and I think there's a really interesting story about how you came about writing this book. Do you want to tell us about it? Call the exceptional yeah, speaker. Yeah, well, uh, you know, Alan and I have, have, have known each other for, uh, for a number of years now, and when I met him, I subscribed to his, um, his, his Fine Easy, in which comes out every Friday, called um, The Media Coach. And in it, Alan has a, um, a little chapter, a little bite, um, called The Presentation Tip. And I specialize um, as the presentation skills coach, whereas he's the media coach. And 
I found that every time, well, most times that I read Alan's presentation tip, I was learning stuff. So this was quite a bonus for me. And one day, um, about three years ago, we were, or two and a half years ago, we were, we were having a, a, a drink in London. And I said to Alan, you know, all those presentation tips in your e-zine, I said to him, there must be about 300 of them by now. You've got a book sitting there. And he looked at me and said, oh, I hadn't thought of that. So I said, well, how about if I take all the e-zines that you've written for the last eight years or so, trawl through them, put them into chapters and what have you, and we start fleshing out a book. Um, so it was a lot of his material. Um, I fleshed it out and, and, and put all the bits and pieces together, adding bits of my blog in. And uh, eventually when I put together something that I thought that flowed nicely, I sent it off to Alan. And uh, he was pleasantly surprised and said, you know what, I think we've, we've, we've got a book here. So that's, that's how it happened. Mm. Okay. And, 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 and yeah, Paul tells exactly right. And he's, he, Paul is being far too modest um, because he's he's enhanced the book immeasurably uh, by adding stuff to it. What I was writing was a, was a 200, 250 words a week with tips and, and points about how you can get better. But he's he's really made the whole thing flow. He's put it together. He's organized it into chapters. He's taken out duplicates. He's done the hard stuff. I did the easy bit. <laughs> I'm just well, gonna, you did it over I, a period of time. I had, I had to do it over a shorter <laughs> period of time. So that's I was just really going uh, to add that comment there, Paul, because um, I know that um, I think Alan is, you know, to me, has, has done something quite incredible with this newsletter because he, he sends it out every Friday. He told me that he, he, he writes it only 8 o'clock on a Thursday evening, and religiously yep. it comes out. And people even send him emails at 10 o'clock on a Friday morning saying, where's that newsletter? And you've been doing it for years, yep. haven't you? So oh, yeah, I've been doing it every, every Friday for almost 10 years now. Almost 10 years. You know, just yeah, the discipline incredible. is incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, I, I was just wondering, when you were writing the book, then, you know, there must have been some, some things that you, you, you disagreed on. I mean, you, you, presumably you had some different opinions on things. Um, you know, what, what were they, Paul? There must have been some. I'm glad you're asking me that first. <laughs> there was one little bite... There was one particular, in fact, the answer to that is yes. Uh, and there yeah. was one in particular where um, Alan wrote a bite about, but he, it wasn't just that he said it, he was so adamant about it. It was never, ever, ever rehearse in front of a mirror. And I looked at this and I thought, <laughs> what a lot of nonsense. And I actually phoned him up on Skype and we had a debate about it. And he was sort of quite gracious in seeing my point of view because I think the mirror is an absolute must when you're, you're rehearsing a speech but it's not for Alan. And I think what it showed both of us is that there's room for differing points of view. And the way we've put it forward in the book is um, if you feel comfortable rehearsing in front of a mirror, um, then do it. Um, but if you don't, don't feel compelled to whatever your presentation skills coach tells you. So that was one of the areas. Um, the, the other one was that um, Alan at one stage advocated the sandwich, and then as time went on, he felt that in the context of speeches, it's not really appropriate. Um, and we had a bit of a debate on that as well and agreed that it works better for presentations. And we're talking about this thing about uh, the intro is tell them what you're going to tell them, the body is tell them, and then the conclusion is and then tell them what you told them. Um, and we, we eventually agreed. And what you tend to find, and this is very relevant with with speeches and, and presentations, is that people usually have disagreements because they are coming from different contexts. And very often their points of view are both right and they agree with one another, but they end up arguing about being right about something. <laughs> so 
and the structure thing was an interesting one. The other one that I thought quite interesting, and that sort of popped up two years ago at, at a convention that we were both at, was that there was a, a speaker that um, came down into the audience and was wandering about uh, you know, with, with a headset mic on. Mm-hmm. And I remember Alan and um, our mutual friend, uh, uh, Jeremy, were, they were both horrified that a speaker could you know, walk around amongst the audience. And, and they were both saying to each other over drink, well, you know, speaker must be on the podium and, and so on. And, you know, I thought it was quite nice and that it worked. It's just that you need to know what you're doing. So I think the answer to that is that Alan and I disagree on a few things, but we've still managed to find ways of uh, putting it through on the book to show that you, you can look at it from different points of view. Yeah, yeah I think Paul, Paul summarized it very well. That, you know, friends don't have to agree on everything. Um, but we do, we do, and in fact, I think we express in the book that you know, I would say this and Paul would say that, and that's absolutely fine. And those, 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 are, the, those are the only examples. You know, out of the 80,000 words in the book, there are probably a couple of hundred uh, where we have a slightly different view on things. So you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a tiny part, but it's an important part. And I, I, frankly, I still maintain that a presenter shouldn't get off the stage <laughs> because the people in the front row hurt their necks trying to see what's happening behind them. But you know, that's a... That's a thing. So we don't have to agree on everything, but as Paul rightly says, it's whatever suits the person who's reading the book and what works for them. Great stuff. We've, yeah. got, to, we've got to go to a commercial break. Now, I've, I've got a theory on that first point about the mirror, Alan. Um, I think it's because you're so tall that you can't find a mirror that's, uh, that's long you enough. You know, you're absolutely run. right. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't see his hairstyle, you see, because he gets chopped off. That's right. <laughs> Great stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll be back with you again in a few more minutes to find out uh, about um, how we can really make um, um, our speeches interesting enough to really hold an audience's attention. So we're we'll back again with you in a. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel or listen on demand to our archived shows. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchievemore.com. I'm with my guests, um, 
Alan Stevens, who's just come straight off the Barbican stage in London, um, and also uh, Paul de Twite over in Johannesburg, and we're talking about presenting confidently. And I just... Uh, a, a final um, maybe point on the book, actually, I'm kind of interested. Um, I'm going to ask you this question, Alan, um, and put you on mm. the spot. But, you know, there, there are quite a few books out there about, um, about speaking. And yeah. um, I know this one's not, not ready yet. It's going to be out at the end of the year. But I'm kind of interested. If I was going to get a copy of it, what would I learn in it that I won't find elsewhere? What you would learn in, in this book and what you will learn in this book, and I hope this doesn't sound too immodest, is that you will get the benefit of many, many years, in, in my case, 35 years in, in Paul's, I'm not going to say how many, but it's an awful lot of years of speaking experience. So what we've done, we've, we've put everything that we've learned over those many, many years, probably between us more than 60 years of speaking expertise on stage, into this book. You know, this, this is our magnum opus, if you like. We've been putting this together for a long time. And I, I, I cannot imagine that there's any other book that's got this amount of experience behind it. And what we try to do is just distill that down, keep it as simple as possible, and so that anyone who's reading it can learn it a lot quicker than we did. Yeah, right. There's something else that we've also done is that we've structured it in such a way that it's fun because there are stories that illustrate mm. certain points, but it's very much a reference book. And then at the mm. end of each chapter, we've got a page with the key lessons from each chapter. So if someone really has only got three minutes and they just want to get a handle on one particular chapter, they can flip to the back pick up the, the key lessons, and um, they can implement it immediately. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we'll look, for, look forward to uh, when that's available, and I shall let people know um, when, that's, when that is available. And also, I know that we've got a, a, another mutual friend in, in Terry Brock over in mm. Orlando, and Terry did a show with me on relationship marketing. I know you've recently both done um, some little podcasts with, with Terry, and um, there'll be, in a week or two's time, I, I put a a page on the Be More, Achieve More site. If you go to the, radio, the free stuff, the radio sort of section, and I'll put uh, some information on this show, and there'll be a link to the show. But I'll also put a link in there as well to uh, these uh, Terry Brock um, uh, podcasts, I think, that you did, which might be helpful, I believe, to the audience, Paul. What? Well, there were, in fact, uh, two um, what we called intercontinental mastermind um, videos. We did the one was 13 minutes. The other one was about nine and a half minutes. And in fact, you mentioned Terry Brock. Terry uh, was, was in fact, is in fact a contributor to the Exceptional Speaker. So you can read some fabulous uh, techno tips from, from Terry in the book. That's okay. right. And in fact, as, as Paul says, they were, they were three-way videos. We used you know, Skype three-way video and recorded them. And they, they look, I think Terry's done a great job putting them all together. And of course, it may lead us on this question about you know, how speeches might develop in the future and how we might start using technology. Mm. Brilliant. Um, so oh, let's um, let's just sort of move on to um, to giving people some final sort of tips here. I mean, how how do you really make speeches interesting enough to hold the audience's attention? Um, because you know, I think starting with this beginning of the call, we talked about um, things like keeping the audience's attention and, and engaging with them. So, Alan, I'm going to ask you that question. Okay. Well. If a speech isn't interesting and doesn't hold the audience's attention, you will know very, very quickly. So my answer to that would be that you, you've got to work very, very hard right at the, in the, at the beginning, in the first few seconds, in the first couple of minutes, in grabbing your audience's attention and holding it. But the essential thing is to really have a, a great understanding of your audience, to know what it is they're interested in and what it is they want to take away. 
So, I mean, you could just do pure entertainment like stand-up comedy, but that, that's not good enough. So what you've got to do is to make sure that you deliver a clear, simple, actionable message. And if you do that, if you deliver something where people go away and think, you know, that was really useful, I'm glad I went, then that's a job done. Yeah, and I think um, one of the tips that I received a long time ago is put your best stuff at the start. Because yeah. if you can really grab people's attention with a really good story, for instance, um, then you've really got them with you and it's a lot easier. But if you try and tell a joke up front and the joke flops, then it's oh. like trying to run a marathon uphill and it's, it's not a lot of fun. But I think going back to humor, uh, the best humor that I've seen in speeches is usually spontaneous humor where the speaker mm. is, is feeding off the audience. And very often when you're doing a speech, your funniest moment will come from a chirp from the audience and as a speaker you need to know how to handle that and mm. run with it and, and compliment them on adding something and the audience will really like that so we go back to, to, to interaction to being prepared to interact a bit with the audience and, and, and let them participate if necessary yeah. uh, I've also seen some, uh, some people do really very well because sometimes on a stage um, things can go wrong can't they and mm. r rather than, you know, if, if the uh, um, overhead breaks down or, um, or something crashes from the ceiling or a, a bird enters the room or something, um, some of the best moments, the most memorable ones, can be comments around those and actually hand seeing them as a positive as opposed to seeing them as a, oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, and it's how you react in the moment. I remember seeing one, one speaker, and, and I believe this was actually at a conference in Phoenix in Arizona, where the, the lights failed on stage. It went completely dark on stage. And they had the presence of mind to jump off the stage. Luckily, people were sitting in chairs that they could turn around. They, they ran to the back of the auditorium and said, would you all now please turn your chairs around? Because there was, there was plenty of light at the back of the room. And instead of delivering from stage, they delivered from the other end of the room. And it worked perfectly. And the audience, I bet they never forgot that. <laughs> Brilliant. I also wonder, before we, we leave this call, is you know, as very experienced public speakers, um, how has um, public speaking changed in the past um, for, for people who may be interested in getting into it? And you know, where do you think it's going, Paul? Well, it's, it's changed a lot, and it also hasn't changed a lot. So the ways in which it hasn't changed is you still need to structure it properly, you still need to prepare adequately, you still need to do your research. But the things that have changed have been the nature of interaction, because previously an audience was fairly passive, the exception being perhaps a political meeting or um, Prime Minister's question time in the House of Commons, where um, you get a, quite a degree of heckling taking place. But generally speaking, before, audiences were relatively passive, but today you've got people tweeting while you're speaking. And that makes a tremendous difference. So in fact, there's a degree of, of, of interaction and Alan's got a pretty good tip on how you can use that to your advantage, particularly if you, if you want to invite questions. Well, that's right, Paul. And in fact, I, I used to use it in the days before Twitter, in the days of, of SMS and text messaging. And that was, I used to say to the audience right at the beginning, if you want to send me a question, here's my mobile phone number. You can text it to me. Now I give them my, my Twitter handle, Media Coach, and they can send me a question from their, their smartphone or their, or their iPad or their tablet while I'm speaking. And I will then pick that up at the end. But... But the other point to make is that the audience now isn't just in the room. The audience is global. Uh, the audience is worldwide. And because people in your audience are, are tweeting, they're Facebooking, they're, they're sending messages out on various social media, and messages are coming back as well, you suddenly find that you're interacting not just with the 100 or 
200 people in the room, but with thousands of people outside the room as well. And you speakers have to learn how to cope with that. Yeah, very much so. But, you know, you asked the question, Chris, how speaking has changed. There's another question, and that is how is speaking going to change? And one of the ways that it's already changing is that uh, the speaker no longer has to be physically there. He can be projected um, as being on stage and actually interact from a screen with the audience. And that technology is now available and starting to happen. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to have to go. We're going to only got about a minute left until we've got to leave the. Uh, I've got to sum- summarise, but I just want to ask you both very quickly one important message for someone who's aspiring to uh, become a really good speaker. Um, Alan, I would say get yourself plenty of stage time and get yourself a good mentor who will give you feedback that will help you to improve. And if you're in the UK, a great organisation to join is the Professional Speaking Association because um, yeah. um, it's very good value and uh, and people will give them their time to you very generously. And um, Paul? My message, I think, to anyone wanting to speak is firstly keep working at it. But even before that, you've got to stop putting those negative messages in your mind um, about your capability. Um, say to yourself, I'm somebody that can really be a good speaker and keep that mindset going while you constantly equip yourself in a positive way and use um, the positive uh, building blocks to build yourself up into being a good speaker or presenter. Fantastic. Gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining the show and uh, and coming straight off the stage at the Barbican, Alan. um, Thank you. Apologies (laughs) for the background noise again, but we couldn't help it backstage. To to find out more about um, uh, Paul's got a book, Presenting Confidently or Speaking Exceptionally, go to um, uh, presentwithconfidence.co.za. I think, is it mediacoach.com, your site, Alan? It's mediacoach.co.uk, and certainly if you want to sign up for that email newsletter that Paul mentioned, that's where you go, mediacoach.co.uk. It is brilliant. It is brilliant. So to the next week's show, we're continuing with the theme of confidence. We're going to be talking with um, Ailey Milnes about about self-confidence and uh, she's, um, she's the confidence coach, and it will be a brilliant show. And there's also the opportunity to get a, an excellent um, free um, PDF or on the show um, about her key principles that she's going to share with us. So don't miss that. Um, if you have any questions or feedback, please send them to me at chris at bemoreachievemore.com. I'll leave them on my Facebook um, page at facebook.com slash bemoreachievemore. Do subscribe to the newsletter at bemoreachievemore.com. Um, and then I will give you uh, thoughts on past shows, and I'll share with you um, what's coming up uh, in the following month. And I don't bombard you. I just send out um, uh, an email every, every month. So um, look forward to, um, to the next show, and thanks again to our two guests today. Cheerio. We thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week.